Hey, Happy New Year, everybody. This is Kevin Bossomer, and you are listening to UCI Conversations, and it's my last show of 2019 because it's <laughs> New Year's Eve. <laughs> it's been an incredible year and an amazing fall quarter. I have a special 50th anniversary KUCI show planned for today with some very special guests, starting with Mr. Mike Caspar. He's a morning DJ here on Friday mornings. Mike, you can you it. tell Take us all about, yes. all about your show? Shows. Hi, Kevin. Hey. How are you? Great. Happy New Year uh, to everyone listening. I have been here at KUCI since uh, 2002. I started out as a music DJ, uh, morning show, Friday mornings from 4 to 6 a.m. Did that for a couple of quarters and then embarked on my now current career as a uh, public affairs host. I co-host Weekly Signals with the one and only, the inimitable Nathan Callahan. We've been doing that about 17 years. And for the last 12 years, uh, we've been doing some version of film school, first as co-host, and now I do it as a solo host uh, for about the last seven years of uh, film school radio. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Fantastic, Mike. And when did you start the public affairs shows? That was about 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, part, another part of my history that I'm very proud of is I was a public affairs director for two years and then general manager for two years after that. So okay. I've been in management for a couple of years as well. So, okay. Uh, then I will mind my P's and Q's because <laughs> you, you are a grizzled veteran. And the incomparable Janine Bernstein. Uh, Janine, please introduce yourself. Tell us all about you. I'm Janine Bernstein. I've been here since 2007. And when I first started here, it was because I ran to Tawny, who had a show here. And uh, she's no longer here, but I had studied TV, radio, and film at Syracuse, and it was something I was always interested in. She said, you should be a guest on my show. And I said, how did you get a show? And, and I found out there was training, so I jumped right into that. And then I decided to start a music show called Moms Rock the House that I did uh, started at 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., and then I switched to Thursday, three-hour show, and I had live artists, and it was great. Cool. Moms Rock the House, any particular genre of music that you played? I mean, you know, just indie artists from all over. Sometimes people call in internationally, a lot of local people. Okay. And what happened was, though, I did this show, and then I took a year off from being at the station. In 2011, I started a public affairs show, which I love, called Get the Funk Out. Excellent, excellent. And I was exposed earlier this quarter to your show, Get the Funk Out, and it's a great public service, just about how, you know, sometimes things are good, sometimes things are, are not as good, and right. what we what we do as human beings to get out of that. Definitely, yeah. yep. Thanks, thanks, Janine. And then last but not least, the incomparable Kevin Stockdale, who is our station manager, and Kevin, he has been here. Well, he went to uh, UCI and graduated in 88 in biology, was also a minor management uh, major. Now I know where he got all his amazing management skills here at KUCI. And he's been the station manager here for over 31 years. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like we should tweet the horns. <laughs> all right, give it a go. Okay. There you go. So... Do you want to say anything else, Kevin? <laughs> well, it depends what you want me to say. Why don't you tell us about each and every day from the last 31 years? <laughs> how you how you transitioned yeah, from, from yeah. a DJ to where you are? Uh, I came here as a freshman in 83, and my friend from high school dragged me to the orientation. I was 
lukewarm about the thought of getting involved. I was very shy, and so I didn't really, I didn't really cherish the thought of trying to do something extracurricular, let alone on the radio. But he dragged me into the orientation, and I guess the rest is, is history. We trained. We almost didn't get trained. We came to the uh, the studio tour, which was the f- Saturday before school started. So the Friday of the welcome week is when I got my orientation. So we decided to come and do the uh, tour, and we went to the wrong building, and it was locked. Oh, and no. so we kind of <laughs> like, well, uh. so we started walking back to the parking lot, and like, you know, is it that other one? So we went back and we got to the right building and got the tour. But, I mean, I'm thinking back to that moment where we could have just gone back to the car, and then all our, we would have done as an extracurricular extracurricular activity would have been the commuter club, which I was only involved with for one academic quarter. But I got a little Union 76 tape measure when we had a guest speaker from the auto club. But (laughs) that was the extent of that. So, so yeah, so uh, I took most of my freshman year to get involved, and I uh, did a radio show from 84 to 91, the Metal Morality Show. And uh, that was the good old days when nobody had heard of Slayer or Metallica, and we played them all over the place. I, we, my multiple personalities. And when I graduated in 88, it was around the time or leading to the time when the FCC made some changes in rules that would allow KUCI to potentially increase the antenna coverage power to get a little bit more of our licensed area. And so the boss who created my position I set aside, I think it was like $7,000 for the first you know, six months or something to have somebody paid to work on this project because it was going to be a long-term project. It turned out it was a, a year or more before we could apply. It took a year and a half for the application to be approved. It took a year and a half to go up in power. So, so we uh, went ahead and uh, everything blossomed from there because having a diverse group of volunteers, there's a lot of chaos and a lot of reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, try to keep people from making the same mistakes so we can focus on new mistakes. I got a quick question. Yes. Yeah. You're a drummer, right? I am. I didn't know that. I'm, someone had told me this, but I wasn't sure. And a metal drummer? Well, I mean, Anything? I, you know, rock, you know, progressive rock, hard rock, rush, that kind of stuff, kiss. How's your anyway. timing? Uh, it's pretty good. I was actually at my uh, daughter and son's um, oh. uh, winter you know, attending the winter performance yesterday and those kids were singing that song and I'm tapping along just like I do as a drummer and it's mm-hmm. like I had to stop because they weren't <laughs> even the <laughs> sixth graders the, the oldest kids they were you know they were not keeping good time but uh, uh, yeah I've been playing cool. yeah casually for about the last 41 years <laughs> wow so excellent so Kevin can you lead us in this is the f- year is the 50th anniversary of KUCI can you give us a brief what a long, strange trip it's been, or... You know. Well, let me see how quickly and concisely I can do this, and I expect to fail at that. So, because of all the attention for the 50th anniversary this year, the university and outside groups like the Orange County Weekly that did a feature as well, did interviews and, and research, and I had a gentleman who, even to this month, a month after the anniversary itself, has been doing additional research trying to find out more about the origin story. And we've had a book called the first 25 years of KUCI. Um, but anyway, I had a friend who spent seven years going through all these old documents while he was working a day job and wow. put together this 400-page document of the, hist- the first 25 years of KUCI and it has the origin story as we learned it and, you know, people starting the AM station in the dorms and getting shut down by the FCC and et cetera, et cetera. Well, now there are more players that were involved in the early times that I didn't know about and the author of this book didn't know about and how the university folks managed to find these people or get these alternate 
you know, realities. I don't know. I'm still kind of confused about that, but there are more people that uh, this uh, gentleman from UCI spoke to somehow and got a hold of and you know got some additional stories. Bottom line is the station started unlicensed, was shut down. Uh, there are softer versions. It was not the FCC, but the UCI police that shut it down. And then the most recent version I heard is was actually they were running wires between dorm rooms to make this all happen, and uh, the dorm resident assistant shut it down. So either the FCC or some student assistant shut down the early non-licensed KUCI. But there was interest in doing that uh, as a real thing and applying for a license, which was common. It's you know it is common. You can't get a license anymore around here because there's too many stations already licensed but back in the day college stations were getting licensed left and right as low power uh, stations so uh, they set aside some money from student government and did the, the, the research and put together the study and the application and you know got lucky and were granted and we spent uh, from 1969 to 1981 at 89.9 until um, KCRW in Santa Monica moved their antenna to the top of Mount Wilson and, and knocked us off the map in you know radio terms. Uh, you couldn't pick up KUCI in the lobby of KUCI, and luckily we had an enterprising longtime volunteer, a student who stick around for years, who did all the engineering. He was able to get all the, everything lined up, and we were able to get permission to move over to 88.9, where we have been since 1981. If you tuned in late on this New Year's Eve, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is UCI Conversations, and I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer. This being the 50th anniversary year of KUCI, my guests today are station veterans Mike Kaspar and Janine Bernstein, both who are public affairs hosts, and station manager Kevin Stockdale, also known as Kevin Number 1 and the Big K here at KUCI with 31 years' experience. Kevin Stockdale now talks about former KUCI DJs who have gone on to long careers in radio and television. How about any people who have come through KUCI that have had careers? Our uh, news director in the 70s, Mary Lyon, who was here about 10 years before I started, she went on to have a 40-year career in Southern California News. She was the news director at Kareth 101 for a number of years. She, I didn't realize how many other other news outlets she had been involved with, but she had over the years worked for NPR. She had worked for KNBC TV. She had worked for a few other commercial stations as as the news director, and um, she just retired recently and donated three or four thousand albums that she had. So. Wow. Missouri, it's cool. whatever. But anyway, so yeah, so she was uh, a, a big deal in the 70s, 80s, and you know, out, out in the commercial, you know, world. And then uh, our music director from 94, 95, Hillary, uh, went on to a career at 91X for many years, and she was at the competing alternative station in San Diego, uh, 94.9, Alt 94.9, or something like that. And then she somehow managed to get back to 91X a few years back and as music director and afternoon drive time personality. So she's kind of a big deal. And then, you know, there are countless others that have some successes, you know, maybe not as high profile as a 91X or a K-Earth 101, 
Nick Roman? Nick Roman. Nick Roman. Yeah, and then we have Nick Roman, I, I just remembered. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, he that's was our he here. was our news director <laughs> in the 70s, and he was also station manager, and he went on to be the news director at KLON, which became KJAZZ in Long Beach, and he was there for 19 years, and then management changed over. He uh, got out of there and ended up at uh, KPCC, so he's, he's the managing editor of the news department for KPCC in Pasadena, and I think he's probably already been there 10 years. So he's made a big deal. And occasional host. I, I hear, hear yes, him yes. with his own program. Yes, now. and great. yeah, he's he's great. And yeah. he, he's a big uh, fundraising guy. So he comes and advises us on tips on, you know, how to how to approach the audience when we raise funds. So, Gotcha, gotcha. I just want to chime in, too, because we've been talking about alumni, but we've also had a lot of bands come through here oh, who yeah. have gone on to become very successful. Kevin knows much better the list of them, but there are significant people that have come here who were not being played anywhere else, who either played here live or were here uh, basically supporting us with their music. And I, Kevin, you'll know the list a lot better than I will. Well, um, the sh- the short list of of artists that got featured here before before they made it to the commercial world would be, uh, no doubt, used to play in our lobby. Sublime yeah. used to play in our lobby. We, in addition to having bands appear as uh, for interviews or performing live. There are also scores and scores of bands that we played all over the place, you know, wore out their records, records being those 12-inch round pieces of plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, you know, eventually they made it to com- great commercial success. I mean, R.E.M. was such a huge band at KUCI and College Radio before they made it to the mainstream attention. And U2, when I started, was was a real big thing. Wow. Hadn't broken on the on, onto K-Rock quite yet. Uh, or you know that you know or MTV for that matter, um, but uh, so you know there are scores of bands like that, Nine Inch Nails, Nirvana, things like that. Um, but uh, I'm trying to they, there there are many more bands, yeah. and I'd be hard pressed to think of them all at the same time here. Well, and I think the point is either they've been here or we were playing them before anyone yeah. else yeah. was, which is our which, mission. Which is our mission statement essentially to, and I think it carries over to public affairs as well that right. we talk about things that you don't generally hear on uh, commercial media. Uh, we are heavily invested in our programming. I think everyone, whether it be music or PA, public affairs, is very invested in their programs. I think that's, for me, one of the great things about being here is there's no interference outside of breaking some FCC rules or something like that. or some. When did the, that happen? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or other, other rules we have here at KUCI about what music you shouldn't be playing, which would be music that you would hear on all the commercial stations. But aside from that, everyone who walks through that door has an opportunity to do the show that they want, and along with that comes a a great amount of passion and energy that comes along with that, which I think really distinguishes KUCI. Even among college radio stations, I I would venture to say, you know, that's something that from the get-go you get. The, the, you get that opportunity. I think people who have remained here, who have been successful here, have that. That's the difference between them being here and not being here. You know, I was talking to you earlier about this, Kevin, that um, it's such a privilege to have a show here because it's an opportunity to, to learn a lot and meet a lot of people if you're open to that. I mean, it's been extraordinary. I've been here since 2007 to start in music and go to a public affairs show where the guests come from all over the world and they inspire me and they teach my listeners something and it's been really tremendous to come here and not only learn radio 
and how to follow all the rules and regulations, but to learn from these people and, you know, to open my mind up to so many things. I'll I'll just chime right in, too. That's what I find in my interview show, that uh, every guest, through the course of a conversation, there will be two, three just pearls of wisdom that... um, that inspire me. I'm just like it. It uh, it's amazing. It happens every time. Yeah, and and I'm shamelessly sucking up to our our boss here. This because Kevin does provide us with this opportunity. In addition to our mission statement, right. it's also about actually carrying through with that. You know, making sure that what we are here to do is provide that an environment in which we can do that. So. My hat's off. Thanks to Kevin for for helping us sometimes shield us from what the university may or may not want us to do uh, sometimes in, in, in speaking up for us. So I think that's a really important part of the legacy of the 50 years here at KUCI. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, now that we've gotten into the heart and soul of it, I, I, I think we need to jump into the humor of it, too. <laughs> so what are funny moments for you guys that have have happened well um <laughs> I, know, I, I know one i know one for sure and i think you're going to talk about it right now our, our friend who joined us and uh, the stood. woman in the orange jumpsuit oh. yeah now yeah. funny is it, funny is a relative term it, in this story it's funny in hindsight yeah. it was yeah. terrifying at the time probably one of the scariest moments in my life when uh, about 12 years ago uh, one summer afternoon we had somebody show up about an hour early for a public affairs appearance as a guest and nobody knew uh, what was going on because this person was wearing an orange jumpsuit, a black hood, and had a black bag. Walked into the front door, which back in the day was open during business hours, and just stood a couple of steps inside our front door. You couldn't see who it was. They had a black bag, a black hood. It so was scary. And you know, they were dressed like they were from Guantanamo Bay. And, uh, you know, if people weren't here, you know, I've shared the photos from the security footage of that so they can kind of get a feel for mm-hmm. what that was like. But, uh, you know, I had somebody come back to my office saying, somebody, somebody's, there's somebody in the lobby with a mask on. I'm like, a mask? I look up at the security camera, I see a black hood and a black bag. I'm like, oh, somebody's sitting there carrying a bomb? Who knows, you know, what it was. Sorry, so everyone kind of left, and I'm guessing we probably had much dead air at that time, but, you know. It was well, quite, quite scary. The police came. Yeah, right. I mean, you you mean by dead air, people were running out of the studio. Yeah, everybody left. I was locked in my office talking to the police in real time while I was watching the camera just to kind of keep tabs. Had that person started to come back towards me, I probably would have bailed out the back door. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I felt compelled to kind of, you know, make sure we were... Yeah. Take care. And it turned out it was this woman who was a professor, a former professor, uh, an author, and an activist. And she would go to book signings in public. Dressed dre- like that. Dressed like that as wow. Guantanamo. But, you know, she was on the radio. So just like you can't see my wonderful attire now, you know, nobody on, on the guest, yeah. you know, uh, listening to that, her as a guest could see what she was doing. And, uh, right. Well, her thing was, and in, in her activism was around the idea of government intrusion into the world of protesting people being singled out where where are the limitations what are the limitations of actually protesting a surveillance state as she would have put it as as i understood her sort of the, what her mindset was but as kevin pointed out 
this is radio. She's in the lobby with an orange jumpsuit and a black hood holding something. Again, if you see the photos, I think she's kind of holding it out in front of her. Yeah, it looks she's like presenting it to it you in a like sense. Yeah, and so it looks very ominous. But and this is at a time when the country, you know, twelve, thirteen right, years ago, right, we, yeah, we right. were dealing. Well, still to this day, we these are still in some academic sense and maybe in a political realm. These are questions that need to be asked. However, you know, context is everything, right? She's standing there. The police show up, guns drawn, and. It could have gotten really, really yeah, ugly. Yeah, they showed up, and, and uh, uh, you know, we kind of cleared everything up. Had she done this at an airport or oh, someplace like that, she would it. have been arrested. But she yeah. didn't do anything illegal. They said it was really stupid because if you do something that forces go- go- cops to come in with guns drawn, that's kind of a risky thing. But mm-hmm. she didn't do anything illegal. Um, yeah. So that was really funny. That, that was <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that brings After me to something fact. that happened about a year and a half ago, not here, but, uh, you know, on this similar dark humor. Yeah. Uh, not funny at all, but because of that scare, it uh, was much more powerful when I read about, actually, I was at a summer conference with my other UC Radio Network counterparts. And that day when we were actually at the conference, I read a, a, a headline that there was a non-commercial, you know, community station in Michigan or Wisconsin or someplace over there. And somebody had come in the middle of the night and shot DJs. <gasps> and it was like a disgruntled former DJ. They didn't have a key card anymore, but they were able to slip in and, you know, whatever. And, oh, you know, God. I yeah. think everybody survived. But, you know, that was, you think you're you're safe and you're fine here, but, you know, you can, uh, you know, shake, get somebody's feathers. And, you know, yeah. workplace, you know, I don't want to say violence, but, you know, even just disgruntled former employees with whom I've had to deal with as well. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know. Yeah. Which, so. by the way, for anyone listening who is a disgruntled DJ, we have <laughs> security <laughs> measures in place to uh, to tend to yeah, the safety of the people. Immediately, <laughs> yeah, it will, it will immediately handle that situation. <laughs> and tarantulas. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of tarantulas. So uh, as far as funny, hmm, I probably need some help drawing my memory. I'm too busy dealing with the not funny. Well, I, I, I have a funny story, not, but actually not at KUCI. When I was in acting school, uh, I was living across the street, but I was at uh, Cal State Fullerton getting my master's in acting. But I would take dance classes here back when, you know, the school was a little bit more loosey-goosey. If you made, you know, I'm sure uh, the, the professor that let me in is long gone. So um, it was just kind of on the hush-hush. So I could take dance class. And I was, I just the other day, somebody was asking me about this. And uh, so I was doing pirouettes across the room. And it was like side by side. And I flung my hand out. And she kind of, my partner that was close got too close and i full on not i smacked her and knocked her out <gasps> i mean she she her her bell was a little du- rung and then i as she started to to pass out for a second or two i caught her so um yeah that was um but wow. then my wife reminded me that wasn't the funniest story that the teachers once said to me Kevin, 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 I don't know what you're doing, but it's not dance. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. so that's why you're here. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and note to self, Bossemeyer, workplace violence tendencies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but please, please, uh, anything uh, that you comes know, I'm, I'm trying to th- really, I mean, it's a fun place to be. I just don't remember anything that would call to mind something, well, Janine, uh, you know, madcap zany G- or anything. Janine and I were talking before we went on the air about how Every for me, I, I've been here like one plus years, and uh, whenever I think, oh wow, that 
you know things are going smoothly i kind of got this down mm-hmm. that's right when something will go wrong exactly. like you'll leave a mic on and <laughs> okay if we're gonna go with that kind of stuff, <laughs> uh, uh, here we go once a while back once recently and i'm sure many times that i don't know about people would leave the studio unattended to go across the street and get food so there'd be nobody in the building or in the case a few number of years ago i was here and i look up the security and i'm like oh there's nobody here <laughs> Wait a second, that's weird. We're not we're not an automated station. So I went in the studio and kinda of hung out until the guy showed up. He goes, Oh, I just went to get I put on a long song, I went to get, you know, hamburgers. Like, you can't do that. You have to be inside of the you know, the controls of the transmitter. And that happened again recently. Um you know, left the studio with a daughter, a, an adult daughter mm-hmm. in charge and not trained on our equipment or KUCI policy or FCC rules. Right. So we had a few potential issues there. I guess these aren't really that funny. After no, all. no, they're not that funny. I do have one that's psychologically Dude. still scarring me to this day. This is probably about three or four years ago. I was hosting film school, and uh, one of my idols from going back to the 80s is a performance artist musician by the name of Laurie Anderson. Oh, yeah. And I have been, first of all, I love her music. You know, Kevin knows his story now. And, uh, and, I, and I just think her personality, the way she carries herself, just I'm in love with her. I can't, even, whatever word that means to, well, I, I'm not stalking her, let's be clear. But anyway, so she has, she had just come out with a documentary uh, about, uh, called uh, The Heart of a Dog. And it was, it was a documentary about her dog, but it was really about Lou Reed who had just died. So I was, you know, I saw the film, very moved by it. She's going to be on the show. She rings up, I pick up the phone, and I'm on the and I start the interview. We're about thirty seconds into the interview, and then it just cuts out. Just completely cuts out. She can hear me, but I cannot hear her. Now I'm thinking I hit a button, you know, I'm just in complete panic mode because you know, I can hear her saying, uh, Mike, I where are you? And and dead air, nothing. I'm just it 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 we never got her back on. Oh, no. Now this is not funny. I know, but this no. is but and again, let me just say that uh it it's one of those things about being here. It, it is a college radio station, right? It is it is and so all of the good things that come along with it and sometimes some of the other stuff that comes along, which probably happens on every radio station. I don't mean to degrade K U C I, but it's one of those things and I'm still in therapy. So <laughs> I mean there's a lot of situations I've come across where I'm sweating bullets, you know, especially when I first started out, like sub for me, the CD's blank, or my calls get dropped and I'm on air and I don't really know what to say. Right. Now I just roll with it. But yeah. I, when I first came in for my 6 a.m. shift, the DJ was sound asleep and I was like trying to wake the guy up. I don't know how long he was sleeping for, but it was like all the time I'd come and he'd be asleep. But just <laughs> kind of learning to go with the flow right, and be right. open to guests being nervous too. I feel like it's my job to make people comfortable, to tell them I'm not going to throw you any curveballs, yeah. throw you under the right, bus, right. you know. Hello, hello, KUCI New Year's Eve listeners. This is UCI Conversations. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer, and you are listening to station veterans Mike Kaspar, Janine Burdenstein, and Kevin Stockdale talk about some of the stories that have come from KUCI over the last 50 years. And now back to my guests. Yeah. One last thing, because I think this is funny. We get a lot of personalities in here. And a lot of very, I mean, very interesting, quirky people. I think the humor derives from sort of the community of KUCI. We get a lot of very interesting people that come through here. Some amazing people with great insights, do great shows. 
and then sometimes we don't. You know, sometimes other people are not quite up to that level. But they tend to, this is the nice thing about KUCI, one of the things I always say about it is the environment here is kind of a self-selecting environment. You're here, maybe you took the class and you thought you are going to come in here and just blow the doors off the place with your great music show. And a quarter into it, you're bored, you're whatever. You're not, this isn't what you thought it was going to be. They're gone. Or they start playing music that they shouldn't be playing. People kind of self-select. If they even know about the station, they understand that basically the, the, the mission statement is a certain way of doing things. So I guess the humor, quote-unquote, comes from the personalities of the people that you're around on a regular basis. You, there's a lot of, I'll say joy, maybe too strong a word, but there's a lot of that just by being around the people that are here. And that, that, that I think, is what part of the answer should be, I think. Yeah, I was just listening to this and thinking, wow, I, I will have to continue for days and weeks forward trying to think of funny, funny things that have happened. Um, you know, I, I remember in the 80s when I was on the mic standing, as I always stood in front of the mic, getting pantsed. You know, but, you know, that that was, uh, you know, just a, a momentary second uh, 32 years ago. But um, I deal with all the sticky people, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, over the years have had to let some volunteers go. I mean, maybe, you know, 10 or 15, I, I, I have to, yeah, you know, it's just an estimate. But um, some of them are extra crazy i mean that's just a colloquialism not a yeah. diagnosis but uh, we had one gentleman who did a show and he was playing bands that he had a financial interest in oh no and so we had to pull the plug on that and say you can't do that oh i'm sorry sorry you know and uh, so he would continue to do that at 6 a.m and then put in a different playlist and once we caught him we had to just like okay we're wow. just gonna wow, let, let, let you go <laughs> and he went through the ombudsman at uh, uci the office that settles, you know, disputes in a non-binding fashion. And I spent probably about nine months back and forth with that office and with that gentleman before we finally got him to go away. And wow. uh, the outlandishness of some people, uh, and this is not necessarily a radio thing, but a personality thing in this particular case, that I was at a meeting on a neutral site, not the ombudsman, not KUCI, but at a neutral room on campus having a meeting with him. And... Uh, he was trying to tell us that he had been given permission to play these bands. By whom? By my boss. Oh, come on. And I'm like, oh, really? When did he do that? Oh, you know, it was last month. Oh, well, we have a new boss this week, you know, last week. He's only been here for two weeks. He goes, mm -hmm. well, I met him at a party and he gave me his card. And that and means what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's how he had to, you know, claim that he had the green light wow. to do what he was doing. And he pulled the ombudsman pulled him into the next room or out in the hallway and I could hear him like this is not going to work if you just keep lying <laughs> you know yeah. but uh, yeah. you know the fact is he was trying to say oh I met your boss you know oh he's brand new oh I met him before he started I was at a party you know right it was just so crazy uh, what a waste of your time Kevin yeah. well I mean that's kind of part, part of what yeah. I'm hired for to, to deal with that yeah. next time I'll let them I'll have you start have you start working with them? <laughs> you, you can do the first round of uh, firings. Oh joy! <laughs> well, I, you know, I will say, uh, Kevin, as station manager, that you have a great touch for dealing with all levels. I mean, we're you know doing with brand new students, seasoned students, some of the more you know older DJs that have come back um, after years of being away from school. You do a great job. Thank you, oh, thank yeah. you. I enjoy it and keeps keeps me young or keeps me on my toes or gets it makes me old or some combination thereof. How about inspirational guest or or favorite show that you guys 
recall? Oh, I just had somebody on Monday. Um, I've had a lot of inspirational guests, people that have, let's say, they lost a limb and they went on to teach um, yoga for amputees. Mm -hmm. But this guest on Monday, his name is Willie Baronet. He's a professor at SMU. He went around the country for 31 days and bought signs from the homeless and would actually talk to them where, you know, we see a homeless person, we walk by, we ignore them. And the stories of these people became a documentary called Signs of Humanity, and it's on my show blog. Um, but I was so moved by watching this um, documentary because the people that are homeless, there's like, he said, 25% that are mentally ill. The rest might say, oh, I lost my wife, I lost my husband, you know, and how they got to where they are. You know, they might be extremely bright, but everything crumbled in their life and they turned to drugs, you know? Yeah. And he asked them, what does home mean to you? I mean, just such a meaningful conversation I had with him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, oh, and he did an art exhibit with all the signs from the people that he bought. Yeah. Uh, so, Jenny, that's on your blog? Yeah. Getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. How much did he pay for the signs? Sometimes five bucks, ten bucks. And someone would say, um, really, you're going to buy my sign? He'd say, yeah, how much do you want? Well, whatever you think. And, and they'd say five dollars. He's like, ten dollars. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And how do we find on your blog, will it, how do we identify that show? Well, that's my um, show that was uh, 9.30 on Monday the 16th. Okay. And then there's a listen button in yellow. So if you okay. click on that, and you can actually watch the documentary. Great. Yeah. Great. I'm going to. Thanks. Mike? Wow. I've, I, as, as Janine was talking, I'm trying to think of one particular interview. It is hard. First of all, when I was doing weekly signals at the very beginning, Nathan and I were doing, uh, we did over 300 interviews back then with a, a lot of very important, high-profile academics, uh, journalists, artists, uh, politicians. And so I would recommend, if anyone's interested in sort of what I look back on as some a, a remarkable amount of very serious discussions with people that you will have heard of, uh, I would go back to Weekly Signals and check that out at, at uh, weeklysignals.com. As far as film school is concerned, I, I, I've i now done over uh, 1,400 interviews, fourteen close to 1,500 now. And so it's hard for me to pick out any other than maybe a, a significant one in the in the history of the of the show when Nathan and I were doing our show together as co-host uh, for film school. It was uh, Errol Morris came on, who was a very well regarded uh, documentary filmmaker, and he was on to promote his show that was eventually, I believe, it won the Academy Award for Fog of War that year. I believe that was the the one, I think that one. I'm not absolutely certain about that, but he was our first real big filmmaker to get on the show and from that we were able to sort of leverage that name into getting a whole bunch of other filmmakers to come on the show it provided us with a level of credibility mm-hmm. but um, so it's it's I, it's now sort of a big blur of who I would pick out of 1400 interviews to say this was the but other than Errol Morris was somebody who sort of we were legitimate after that and, and in a way that we hadn't been before mm-hmm. so uh, you know but I again every week I get to talk to three different do, uh, filmmakers, and every week I'm either you know uh, informed by their work, whether it be a narrative or a documentary film. It's very enriching. This is really truly and such an enriching experience to be here at KUCI, and I think everyone who's been here for any length of time would say the same thing. So um, I don't have any one particular. You can check out filmschoolradio.com. And I will have posted, I think, 180 interviews this year 
to the site. So you can check out any one of those. Yeah, great. Can I add something to that? Yeah. It's like saying, which one is your favorite child? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know you are so pumped when I see you. Sometimes you're like, oh, you got to see this movie. Yeah. You know, like Forks Over Knives or whatever it is. You've done so many great interviews. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I was going to add a, uh, a few things that I, I remembered. I don't know which part of the interview this really falls under, but in terms of memories or fond memories, fun, you know, not funny, but, you know, fond memories. March 15th of 93, when we flipped the switch and went 200 watts, we also went stereo for the first time. KUCI had been high fidelity mono and low power, 10 watts, Mm -hmm. ultimately 24 watts. So we went to 200 watts that day, and there were so many people from the university and from the station, and we were back in our Gateway Commons location, so it was a much smaller facility than where we are now. And we flipped the switch, and after I, you know, announced it and signed on, and we started playing uh, Sugar Sugar by the Archies, which was the song we debuted with in 69, they carried me out of the studio up over their heads and I, I have pictures and a video clip of that and, and that's uh that's definitely one of the fond memories also i've done you know I, at this point probably close to you know hundreds of interviews i mean engineered hundreds of interviews we ran out the studio next to us and uh, people who want to interview either uci professors or local people that you know, can't get to the studio where they're, you know, they don't want to drive up to L.A. to be on NPR. So we have a digital connection here and we do that. And of all those fascinating people that I've managed to be on, but they actually had scheduled and came to fruition Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, all-time leading scorer of the NBA and somebody whom I was a fan of since, you know, early 80s when he was uh, traded to the Lakers. And so to have him come in and be such a legend and to turn out to be super nice. I mean, I was just there to make the interview happen so he could be interviewed by the folks at WNYC, but just to listen to that interview and hear him and meet him and see what a gentle soul. I mean, it's not like I wasn't expecting that, but he was, as you would expect, a real gentle soul. And I know he doesn't like the public attention, but since we weren't in public public, yeah. we were able to, I had him sign my Wheaties box that has the, <laughs> you know, the repeat 87 88 repeat championship Lakers team on it and so he, he autographed that for me and then we got a picture of him and you know he was up this tall and two of us were down here but uh, that's definitely a fond memory even though and I was not you know part of KUCI proper it was still happened at KUCI and uh, so I will uh, remember that for a long time to come. Mm-hmm. Well I'll just chime in uh, and I do definitely relate to from from week to week it's uh I don't know if it's an ADD thing or what, but I'm like, I'm just so fascinated by whatever topic I'm covering. And But what comes to mind, and there's a lot of them, but what comes to mind is the campus emphasizes diversity, inclusion, and in interviewing uh, the vice chancellor, um, provost Doug Haynes, and also the um, gender identification and so forth, and the uh, particularly the experience of black people and really you know I'm white and I have not had I never had an opportunity to talk to black people about their experience being black and it's been really eye-opening in terms of uh, white privilege which I never even knew what that was and to hear you know people say you know, getting pulled over, and uh, and this isn't just a police thing. It's um, you know, but just being it's a mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a the, the, negative ha- mindset. It, it ha- yeah. yeah, it happens to them over yep. and over and over. Yeah, and, and it just kind of boggles your mind. You're like, 
wow, what what would that be like to have that happen over and over Terrible. and over? And, yeah. and having to have a conversation with your teenager about, you need to be careful. Mm-hmm. You know, we are treated differently and uh, it can be dangerous. Oh, yeah. I never, I, I just hadn't really thought about it. And uh, I'm changed because of that. You are listening to UCI Conversations. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer, and this is my New Year's Eve KUCI 50th anniversary show, talking about what makes KUCI unique with station personalities Mike Kaspar, Janine Bernstein, and Kevin Stockdale. Let me add a, another thought that I think, in a way, uh, encapsulates the diversity of KUCI, and I could spend time thinking about it and come up with more examples, but the two that I came up with while we were talking is how many different concepts for programs people have come up with. And two of the extreme ones, I think, were Tani with her show, What Would Arwen Do? Right. As if Arwen was in modern society and yeah. you know, all sorts of interesting interviews. And the other extreme on the music end is John Kim, who did a Radio Internationale, Internationale who was only playing marches from communist bands. So he had Russian and Korean, North Korean, and I'm sure there were others, but he featured marching music from communist nations, and it was just fascinating. He he was a Marxist. Yes. I think he's self-identified, if I'm incorrect, but I believe he identified as a Marxist. And I remember coming into the studio one day to, for some reason, and he was playing, as he told me, he was playing North Korean um, state-sanctioned music, North Korean, and that wow. was his thing. Apparently, he was really tied into kind of North Korea for some reason. So there you go. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And Tani, by the way, just to follow up on Tani's show, she basically was not putting us on. She she put. If you asked her if she were here today, she would tell you that she is trying to lead a elfish life. She believes her her life philosophy is based on. On Lord of the Rings, in, in, in essence, she's she believes herself to have adopted an, a lifestyle that would uh, would serve her well in yeah. the uh, Middle Earth, basically. Yeah. I was going to jump on your John uh, comment about the Korean uh, the marching music, and I was going to say. That was fine until he started playing all that mainstream communist <laughs> marching music. Then we had to pull the plug. Oh my my my! <laughs> so, what's new for two thousand twenty? Any Thoughts about that? Uh, format change to uh, musica, musica, musica. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't get the memo on that one. <laughs> Any plans? Any, anything on the horizon? No, just, you know, busy lining up guests, uh, different okay. authors that have books come out. You know, just I'm trying to screen who would be a good fit uh, mm-hmm. for my show. And, um, yeah, just excited to book more people and bring interesting content. Mike? For me, the show, I'm happy with the show. I'm happy with the people that have, that I'm getting to come on the show. For me, it's going to be social media. Spend more time cultivating my expertise in the realm of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. TikTok. My, yeah. MySpace. <laughs> yeah, MySpace. <laughs> so that for me is just in terms of just getting the word out about what I'm doing. That's it. Otherwise... I feel like the show is on a good trajectory, and I'm happy with where I'm at. And I would say the same thing about Weekly Signals. You know, Nathan does a great job of taking the show, putting it up for people to see. I know he does some promotion for the for the show, and 
and he and Mahler have a wonderful relationship. Mahler is our house commentator. Oh. Commentation. Oh. Yes, he, oh. yes, Mahler happens to be a dog, okay. oh. but he is, he is pithy. He is insightful, and he at times is funny. So, Mahler, if you're listening, uh, yes, I got your your name in this conversation. Uh, so, if you listen to Weekly Signals, at, and you can check it out at weeklysignals.com, you'll hear Nathan and myself and Mahler. Love it. While we're talking about idiosyncrasies, Kevin, could you tell us a little bit about your birds? Sure. After 30 years of keeping reptiles and arachnids, you have to ask about the birds. <laughs> about uh, four and a half years ago, I was doing some interviews for new student managers in my office, and I kept hearing this pecking on my window. And it turns out there was this little bluebird that was clanging. It was just a little tiny metal lip on the window. There was no window ledge or anything, but he was holding on and he was pecking. And there's some reflective material to keep the sun from overheating me. And uh, I went out and, you know, he's just like there. And it turns out after doing a little research, he was in mating mode and he saw this other male in the window in his reflection and it kept pecking at it. But, he, you know, it got to the point where it was bothersome. But I found out that they eat mealworms, which some of my reptiles uh, oh. ate. So I had stuff on hand and I ended up starting to put some worms out there and they come and happily gobble them up. And it got to the point where in the first year when I was doing this and, you know, they would basically be on the little window in the back door. So if I walk in one end of the hallway and I see that bird, he's like, okay, we're here. We're ready to be fed. So I, you know, <laughs> I have fed and, and, and raised uh, a, a couple of clutches or whatever. I haven't raised them, but, you know, I've seen a couple of generations uh, go. I even bought a a, a birdhouse and put it back in the back of the building and and, uh, had had some birds raised there. Uh, In that first year, in the novelty of all of it, I managed to slowly gain their trust by standing still and watching them and standing closer, standing next to where they were feeding, and they would just continue to, you know, disregard me or not be afraid of me. Eventually, I would hold the bowl with the worms, and eventually I would hold the worms in my hand, and they would come and eat off the palm of my hand. And that that was a very slow, arduous process to gain that trust, and I quickly gave up on that because that was, you know, (laughs) but it was was neat. To, to see them. And, and they will go away for months, and I feel like maybe you know, they've given up or, you know, because I'm not on top of things, but they in the last week or so have shown up again, and so I've been feeding them, you know, pouring out some worms. And so. Oh, oh. Uh, can you guys believe the trajectory of this university? I mean, being That's here, amazing. it's mind boggling, isn't it? Well, well we, you've been here 30 36 years 36 from when years. I was a freshman, and, and the, the, the stoplight down the hill from us at the Brent Center was the only stoplight on campus back in the day. So, yeah, if I go just by the number of stoplights compared to then, yes, it's grown a lot. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> and we didn't have any part, you know, back in my day when we invented electricity. No, uh, when I was, uh, you know, my, pretty much my whole undergraduate, there were no parking structures. It was after I graduated and started my position when they put that first parking structure in by the student center. Now they have like, I don't know, four or 500 or something. Nathan went to school here, and I I hope I have this story right. I think I do. They used to walk around the underground electrical system. They used to get down in there, and they would walk. You could walk tunnels. Those tunnels, underground tunnels, were the, I assume, all the electrical. I actually did a story on that. And so I got to walk it too. Oh, you did. Yeah. They used to apparently hang out there, but yeah. this was quite some time ago, and I, I believe there were violations of law occurring down there at the time that they were doing it. And he has stories. He used to, back when he moved to Irvine, Culver, which if 
people know the area is a pretty busy intersection now. Nothing but orange groves along on both sides of that, from basically where the five freeway is almost all the way up to here. And he, he said people were they would drag race up and down Culver because it was you know kind of considered the place to do that. Wow. So and he so in UCI was just basically when did it start? Nineteen late sixties. Sixty five. It opened 60, up the year I was born. Sixty five. So two year, two weeks younger than the university. So it's been here 54 four years. So it wasn't too long after we got under UCI got underway that those those darn students were trying to play music. Kids. Yeah, they were playing music. So uh but he yeah, he, Nathan probably has a ton of stories just watching the university grow as you do as well. Okay. My daughter is at UCSB, but she came to summer session this summer and she just says, "Dad, UCI is phenomenal." She, yeah, it is going places. Just this intuitive sense of like UCSB, kind of sleepy, you know, And but it's like UCI is wow. Well, we also have the advantage that a lot of, I think, probably in the UC system we're not unique, but we have this innovative, this sort of tech center, which is right next to the campus, which I think has spurred a lot of investment, a lot of investment in the campus. And also, I think we were recently even, I don't know if this matters to people, but UCI was recently named the, the number one university in the United States by, was it U.S. News and World Report? I they have put out a so. report every yeah. year yeah. rating the universities. Now, some have said this system is a little jerry-rigged or whatever. It's not exactly always a completely accurate picture. However, it does point out the fact that UCI, in terms of status and stature, has really grown to a point where we're among the best universities in the United States now. So there's one measure. All right. Well, hey, we've come to the end of our time together. It's been fantastic, guys. Thanks for coming. And let's give a big send-off. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year.